like obscene callers. That's how they get their rocks off. They never do anything. Not usually, anyway. I smiled. What I figured. All the same, Jack continued. Leave these with me. Of course, I said. If I get murdered by some loony, they might be a good lead. Jack just looked at me. I laughed. Letter number three arrived on Saturday. It read, I bet you think I'm just some anonymous freak, don't you, bitch? Well, I'm not. Are you getting nervous? You should be. I let out my breath in a long, soft woo and slipped the letter back into the envelope. Jack was coming to my place for dinner. I handed him the letter along with his drink. I watched him as he read it. His face seemed to harden. Well, I said. He put the letter on the coffee table. This is my business now, he said. What he meant by his business was law enforcement business. Jack is John Lingman, a detective lieutenant in the Cambridge Police Department. I've known him for six years. We're not married, and we don't live together. We're a lot closer than many couples who do, maybe precisely because we're all so separate. I don't analyze the situation. I just enjoy it. Letter number four came in Monday's mail. It was longer than the previous three, and creepier. You must be wondering what all this is about, bitch. Well, sooner or later, you'll find out. And when you do, you'll be sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. In fact, you'll be dead. Think about that, bitch. Think about it hard. I stared at the paper until the individual letters on it lost their meaning and became just little random markings on a white field. Sorry, 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 sorry. I hand-carried the letter in a shopping bag to the police station, up to Jack's office in the Criminal Investigation Division on the third floor. He was shuffling through a pile of arrest incident reports when I appeared in his doorway. I dangled the shopping bag by its handle before me and said, My unknown admirer has just had another attack of epistolary fever. Jack held out a hand across the desk. Let me see. I gave him the bag. He read the letter once very quickly and then a second time very slowly, as if examining and memorizing each word. Then he opened a desk drawer and got out a large manila envelope with a plastic window in it. The envelope had the word evidence printed across the front. He dropped the letter into the envelope. Right, he said. Here's what you do. Go home, pack a bag, switch on your answering machine, round up the dog, and go to my place. I was so startled by the uncharacteristic peremptoriness of his tone and the bluntness of the order that all I said was, Huh? You heard me. Yeah, I did. Go to your place. And what? Stay there? Uh-huh. And not come out for the next three years? He looked irritated. Just think of it as a temporary security measure. I stared at him in disbelief. But I have work to do. So, you can do it in my apartment. There's plenty of room. I didn't say anything. Liz, Jack added, this joker knows where you live, and obviously he's not too tightly wrapped. I laughed in the way you do when you're totally aghast. Jack, just the other day you told me these letters probably weren't anything to worry about. Your life wasn't being threatened then. Oh, really? What can this clown do? Send me a letter bomb? Try break into your bedroom some night, rape you, and slit your throat. But my dog's always on the alert. She has a great bark and no bite.
I sighed. Look, Jack, I am taking these letters seriously, but I think you're taking them too seriously. He shook his head. Then he tapped his forefinger on the evidence envelope. This is something I've had more experience with than you. Well, of course, and therefore you know that 90% of threats like those turn out to be hot air, don't they? Sure. It's the other 10% that concerns me. He tapped the evidence envelope again. This sounds like the other 10%. How can you tell? He shrugged. Then he rose and went to the office door. He thrust head and shoulders into the main CID office and said, Sam, can you come in here? He returned to the desk. Let's get a second opinion, okay? Sure. A moment later, a sergeant named Flaherty came into the office. He was a tall, skinny guy in his mid-fifties with russet hair fading to gray and a long, jowly face.